I have a friend that I've known for probably 20 years, and uh, we actually work together. Her name is, is Tanya, and uh, we worked together on the same church staff for a while, and, and uh, this was when I was leading worship in a, in a church in Great Falls. And every once in a while, if I was gone or if I needed a Sunday break or whatever, Tanya would step in and she would lead worship in, in my place, and I really, really appreciated that. But Tanya had this quirky thing that she would do. She would um, always pick songs to lead worship with that had been long discarded by other worship leaders. And Chris and I would laugh about this because whenever she would lead worship, there was always like one gem that she would stick in that we hadn't thought about for decades. And I, I picked a couple that Tanya would pick that see if some of you that have been around for a long time probably remember. Tanya would, Tanya would pick one like... Um, like this. It only takes a spark. Do you remember this? To get a fire going. And soon all those around will warm up to its glowing, blowing, something that rowing, something. I, I mean, it's a terrible song. From the 70s. And she'd, she'd pull this up and, and like, I was... Sometimes it'd be a song from the 80s, like, um, you remember this one, Scotty? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. You remember that? But like, if you're visiting church and you hear this Jehovah Jireh thing, you don't know what it is, and it's, it's weird. But she would pick, and, and, and we would laugh because it was like she was the rescuer of discarded worship songs. And we'd, we'd laugh about that from time to time. But one of the things I really loved about Tanya was she didn't just love discarded worship songs, but she had this knack for loving people that other people had overlooked or, or loving people that other people had actually discarded. And one of the things about Tanya, everybody that knows Tanya loves Tanya because Tanya loves people. Do you know, do you know anybody like that? And, uh, and, and I just loved her for that. Um, I got busy doing other things and forgot to pull up my notes on my laptop. And there's, or on my, what, whatever this is. And that's yesterday's wedding ceremony. Okay, we'll get there. I apologize. This is kind of embarrassing. Not there. All right, you want to talk amongst yourselves? Let me give you a topic. <laughs> this is terrible. Somebody should have helped me here today. There's note cards on the platform for yeah, you. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, I can't find my notes. Okay, we're going to wing it. I'm good at this. You ready for this? Yeah, grab a note card because you're going to need it today. <laughs> this is bad. All right. Tanya loved people who had been discarded by other people. Here's what we're going to see today. The shepherds at Bethlehem knew what it felt like to be discarded. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. But the shepherds knew exactly what it felt like to be discarded. 
Because shepherds in Jesus' day weren't like shepherds in, in our day. I, I mean, here in Montana, we love our farmers and ranchers, right? I mean, we, we have huge respect for farmers and ranchers. But in Jesus' day, shepherds were these people that were kind of the lower class of society, even the underclass of society. And part of the reason was because uh, they couldn't keep themselves ceremonial pure, by, by the standard of the Pharisees. In other words, they were rejected by the religious leaders because they couldn't be in, in temple whenever there was something going on. They, they couldn't go to the temple on the Sabbath. In fact, they couldn't even rest on the Sabbath. Why? Because sheep have this habit of wandering off, and if you just take a day off, what's going to happen to all your sheep? They're gone, right? And so the Pharisees and the devout Jews kind of looked down on shepherds because they weren't obeying all the rules and regulations. And so they had literally become discarded by society. They knew what it felt like to be discarded. But they also discovered what unexpected love felt like. Because the shepherds were the first ones to hear the message about Jesus. They were the ones, in fact, Nikki and Sarah, when they were doing their little shtick before the play, Sarah made mention, there was a whole group of angels that appeared to these shepherds. And here's what the Bible says. This is, this is the story from the Bible, Luke chapter 2. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to these shepherds, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. It was a night like any other night, except for that angel. Ain't seen nothing like it before or since. Us shepherds, we don't get a lot of excitement out there in the pasture. But that angel, it was so bright, so beautiful. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Sam, you've been out in that pasture just a little bit too long. And you'd be correct. But that all changed when that angel came right up to us. And the angel said, don't be afraid. And I was like, too late. And then the angel said, no, I wrote it down. I need to get this right. Hold on. Um, okay. The angel said, um, milk, bread. No, that's my grocery list. Then the angel said, I have good news of a great joy that shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then the angel said, he's lying in a manger, wrapped in cloth, go find him. Okie dokie. So we're all sitting around, and then one of the shepherds, I think it was Steve, he's like, hey, what are we doing? Let's get out of here. Let's go to Bethlehem. So we hightailed it out of there, and we found that beautiful baby. I'll tell you, I was a different man after that. God chose me. And nobody's ever chosen me for anything. 
I'll never forget what that angel said, though. The angel said, I bring good news to all people. That means you too. I love that. God chose me. And nobody's ever chose me before. That's what I would call unexpected love. And the shepherds felt it that night. And I hope that you will feel that unexpected love today. Because here's what I want you to know. What other people discard, Jesus loves. Without a doubt, the shepherds had felt discarded probably their whole lives. Just thrown away. But the announcement of the angel that tonight that honored them above everybody else told them they were loved. And I hope today that that if you feel at all discarded, that you will understand the deep, deep love that Jesus has for you today. Today we're going to talk about two groups of people that society discards. We're going to talk about broken people, We're going to talk about weak people. And if you've ever been broken or if you've ever felt weak, you've probably felt discarded too. Have you you ever felt discarded? I, I see a lot of nodding in the room today. Broken people. How do we get broken? Maybe your heart's been broken. Maybe somebody that you loved desperately has just discarded you and you feel like you were just thrown on the trash heap. Or maybe your body is broken. We've got a lot of people uh, in our church community that are struggling physically. And I was thinking this week about Randy Larimore. He's part of our band. He's usually up here in this corner up here playing guitar and we really miss him. But he's had some terrible physical problems. He's had surgery. He was in church last Sunday, which was awesome. It's the first time he's even been in church. But, uh, but Scott and, and the music team and Chris and I, we've been trying to make sure that we're well connected with Randy because one of the things that happens is when you can't produce and you can't contribute anymore, you can feel discarded by everybody in your life, right? Because nobody, nobody thinks of you. Nobody pays attention to to you, you can just end up in a hole in your home discarded. Maybe you have felt like that in your life. Others of us feel broken because of our own choices. I've been there. You probably have been there too. Addictions, failures. And if that's your story, you might feel discarded by the people who have looked down their nose at you and said, you are not acceptable. And they walk away. But maybe you feel discarded today because you feel weak. I don't know about you, but it seems like our society has no tolerance for weak people. Have you noticed? Um, do you remember what it felt like? Some of you shaking your heads, you remember what it was like in that schoolyard pick and, and you were the last one picked. Felt pretty discarded, didn't you? I remember high school band. I was always second chair. I could never get to first chair. Drove me crazy, right? And second chair wasn't good enough. I, I felt weak, right? 
Or, or maybe you feel weak because of a moral weakness in your life. Maybe you just couldn't resist that temptation, whatever it was. You gave in and now your life has been turned upside down because you were weak in that moment. And now you feel like your friends and your coworkers, maybe even your family, has discarded you. George mentioned veterans. Veterans sometimes feel discarded, don't they, George? But if you know what it feels like to be discarded, I want you to remember today that what others discard, Jesus loves. Listen, the Bible paid a really clear picture of Jesus' unexpected love, even before he was born. And I want to take you today to a prophecy in the Old Testament that was written centuries before the Christmas story ever unfolded. So we're rewinding now hundreds of years from the book of Luke where we started. And we're going to see a beautiful promise that is just kind of mind-blowing when you really ponder what this means. And it shows us that what others discard, Jesus loves, deeply loves. And I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 42. And there's just two verses that I want to read to you this morning. And it goes like this. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, this prophecy was written. Here's my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. This is God speaking about the Messiah. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. And then this simple line. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. This is so important because this verse in particular tells us that what others would discard, Jesus loves. Can I just read that again? A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. What others discard, Jesus loves. And I told you before, we're going to talk about broken people, we're going to talk about weak people. I want to remind you today that Jesus really loves broken people. This is a good place. If you're an amener, this is a good place for you to say amen. If you've ever been broken and you've experienced the love of Jesus, this is where you say amen. Because Jesus loves broken people. And there was probably nobody in Jesus' entourage who was more broken than Mary Magdalene. If you've ever heard her story, you'll remember the details. The Bible says that when she came to Jesus, she was afflicted by seven demons. Now, if you've never traveled outside of this country, or maybe you're new to Christianity, or you're new to spirituality, this might seem really, really strange to you. But I've traveled to other countries. I've seen people who have demons controlling their behavior, and it's a scary thing. And the Bible tells us that Mary didn't just have a demon, she had seven demons. All right? And, uh, this, this is, my wife would say, she's cray-cray, okay? Just one of those people that everybody runs from, right? I mean, if you see somebody that's just out of their mind crazy, everybody just walks away. Everybody discards people like Mary Magdalene. And in the religious culture of Jesus' day in particular, 
I can imagine that Mary Magdalene didn't have anybody. She had been discarded. But Jesus loved Mary Magdalene. Jesus loved Mary Magdalene. And she was like that bruised reed that the Bible talks about. She was like a bruised reed that you can see all around the Gallatin Valley. On our way to church this morning, I pulled over and tromped through the snow to cut this little thing down. Cattail, we call them cattails. Sometimes, uh, sometimes people chop these down and use them to decorate like in the fall or whatever, but this one in particular, it's pretty much spent. Nobody would, nobody would tromp out in the, in the gutter and cut this down and take it home and put lights and Christmas ornaments on it and call it a Christmas tree, right? This isn't good for anything. It's, it's weak. It's fragile. You can see pieces are falling off of it. Nobody would use this for anything. It's, it's worthless. It's probably how Mary Magdalene felt. But the prophecy about Jesus and his unexpected love was that this bruised reed, he's not going to break. And the implication is instead he's going to take this bruised reed, somebody like Mary Magdalene, somebody like you, he's going to cherish it. He's going to cherish her. He's going to cherish you. That's the unexpected love of Jesus. What others discard, Jesus loves. And do you know how Mary Magdalene was changed, transformed by the unexpected love of Jesus? Well, first of all, she was set free from those demons. Jesus just sent them away, and she was transformed because there was a spiritual transformation that that I, I think probably happened instantaneously because of this encounter with Jesus. And then she began to follow Jesus. She really became a disciple. She wasn't listed among the 12 disciples, but she was always there. Part of his entourage, if you will, or a part of the larger set of disciples, which included many, many women. And this is one of the parts of Mary's story that blows my mind. She was the first person to see Jesus alive after he'd been crucified and risen from the dead. This broken reed kind of a woman that everybody else had discarded was the first one to see Jesus alive. And then she ran and she told Peter and the other apostles, she started spreading the word that Jesus is alive. And so today, do you know what church historians refer to Mary Magdalene as? She's the apostle to the apostles. Wow, can you imagine that kind of an honor for all time to be known as the apostle that told the apostles that Jesus was alive? All because of Jesus' unexpected love. And can I ask you this morning, are you broken? Then I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you. And he's not going to discard you. He's not going to break you. He's not going to finish the job. He's not going to mow you down like maybe somebody would do with that little field of old cattails. It's all, that's not Jesus. He loves you. So let's talk about that second group of people that Jesus loves, weak people. Jesus loves weak people. So different from our world, isn't it? And if we were going to pick one person in Jesus' entourage who was, the weakest, you might pick Thomas. Thomas was 
Thomas was somebody that really struggled with faith. I mean, I don't know if he was physically weak. He probably wasn't. But he was spiritually weak. If you read the story of Thomas throughout the Gospels, you see a man who's always questioning everything. He never just takes Jesus at face value. There's always questioning. There's always skepticism. There's always something that's not quite right in Thomas's mind because he doesn't have strong faith. He had weak faith. And that's why he earned the nickname Doubting Thomas. And after the resurrection, he was the one disciple that hadn't yet seen Jesus yet. And when the disciples were all together and they were gathered and they were all talking about how they'd seen Jesus, Thomas said, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. And I can imagine that the other disciples who were having this huge spiritual experience, they'd witnessed Jesus dying. Now they saw him alive and they were excited. They're going to go conquer the world. Jesus is who he said to be. And they've got this naysayer there. I can imagine they probably wanted to kick him out of the group. Right? Thomas, just go away. You don't have any faith. You doubt my eyes? I saw him alive. Thomas, just, just go. I'm tired. Tired of your attitude. Tired of your lack of faith. You're weak, Thomas. And I don't know how Thomas felt in that moment, but I imagine that he probably felt like his faith was probably about to die. It wasn't just weak faith. His faith almost didn't exist anymore. Have you ever been there? Have your questions ever so overwhelmed your faith that you just... You thought maybe you were just going to let go of faith. You know what? Jesus loved Thomas. He loved Thomas. And Thomas was like that smoldering wick that Isaiah talked about. I brought a candle today that we've been burning this Christmas season. And you can see here that uh, it's burned way, way down. And the other night we had it burning and, and, uh, and when the party was over, that, that little flame had gone out and I thought, you know, there's hardly anything left here. I think this candle's about ready for the, for the garbage and I've got a replacement. I can put a, a new candle out that'll look prettier anyway because this one you can't, you know, when it's sitting down, you can't even see that flame anymore. It's, it's good for nothing. It's good for, just good for the garbage pail. But that prophecy from Isaiah says that this smoldering wick, there's nothing. In fact, it doesn't even say a candle. It says a wick. What good is a wick? Just a little piece of cotton. There's not even an inch left in this candle. Why not just put it out of its misery and throw it away? That's what most of us do with weak people. Well, I shouldn't say most of us. It's what the world does with weak people. But not Jesus. Smoldering wick, he won't snuff it out. Listen, I'm here to tell you today that if your faith is weak, if your body is weak, if you don't know how you're going to keep going, Jesus loves you. Everybody else might discard weak people, but Jesus doesn't. 
You know what happened to doubting Thomas? Weak Thomas? Listen to this. Jesus came and found him. Jesus came to the man who had almost no faith left. And Jesus said to Thomas, here, put your, put your fingers in the holes in my hands. Put, put your hand in my side. I, I'm here. I'm alive. And I can imagine there was probably a pretty tender exchange, some words of love exchanged. And you know what happened to Thomas? His faith was so transformed that he became a missionary to northern Africa. And to this day, while that whole area of our world has, has uh, been conquered by Islam, Ethiopia stands as a Christian nation with strong faith. And, and Christian history tells us that traces back clear to Thomas, who was the evangelist that brought Jesus to Ethiopia. That's the transformation that came because Jesus loved a man who was probably discarded by everybody else. What other people discard, Jesus loves. And can I be honest today? This kind of of love just takes my breath away. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It just takes my breath away because it's so unusual in our world today. And it's so easy to believe that if I've been discarded, if I've been broken and just thrown away, or if I'm weak and other people have thrown, it's so easy to believe that it's the end of the line for me. But the love of Jesus takes my breath away. And it's still at work in our world today. I have some friends that I've known for 25 years. Great people. Who... um, In the early years of their marriage, they had children, uh, but after their children were already um, starting to grow and they were in school, grade school age, they decided to adopt a child. And instead of going to adopt uh, a healthy baby, they decided that they would adopt a child who was severely handicapped. And they found this boy, his name is Chase, and he had severe, severe cerebral palsy. And when they found Chase, the doctors told them, you, you know, this is, this is a huge responsibility for you to adopt this kid because his disability is so severe, he will never be able to talk. He will never be able to communicate in any way. He will never be able to walk. He'll never be able to feed himself. And if you adopt this child, you are committing yourself to care for a handicapped person for the rest of his life and for the rest of your life as well. And they said, you know what? We know the love of Jesus. And we know this child needs somebody to love him. So we're going to bring him into our family. So they adopted him. And they just began to love him. And of course, in the early days, it was hard. Because there was just nothing. There was nothing. But over the years, Chris and I watched this young boy, Chase, begin to make these milestones of progress. He began to communicate. In the early days, it was just grunts and groans and some some sign language. And then they began working on his mobility to the point that he was able to walk and he was able to stand. He was able to lead... Well, the end of the story is he's... I I just found a, a picture of him on Facebook and and I just, I put this picture in there, Shane, if you'll put this up. That's Chase 
on his 29th birthday. And he can walk with a walker and he can communicate. He can communicate what he needs, what he wants. He can communicate love. He can communicate emotion. And the last I heard, he's actually in a, in a, in a, in a semi-independent living facility and he has responsibilities. He has tasks and chores that he has to do that he's responsible for. So he's contributing to his community. That's what love does. That's what love does in the natural world, right? When we understand the love of Jesus and we give that love away, it changes people's lives. But it starts, friends, with the love of Jesus. It starts with saying, you know what? I'm going to say yes to the love of Jesus. And maybe everybody else in my life has walked away. Maybe I've been discarded by husbands or girlfriends or parents. Maybe I've been discarded by really important people. Maybe I have discarded myself because I'm repulsed by what I see in myself. I don't know for you who has discarded you, but I want you to know today, Jesus loves you. And it's love that's unexpected. It's the love that maybe you can't even comprehend. But Jesus today wants to say to you, I love you. Let's pray. Jesus, this kind of love takes my breath away. And it's your love. Jesus, can I just invite you this morning in this quiet moment to just begin, just begin enveloping us in your love today. Some of us, Jesus, don't feel very lovable. And today we're, we're just on the brink of perceiving that you really love us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.